Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers, and my co-host Isaac. How's it going, dude? Great. I'm very excited about our topic today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about draft part one. Yep. We're going to uh, break down the basics and talk about, you know, the structure, you know, how to uh, strategize what you're looking for. Um, And then part two to come, we're going to really get into the nitty gritty and very specific, uh, you know, archetypes and, and things like that. Totally. High level draft. So that you can win nationals. Also, Shasta, your dog, has waited. <laughs> Hasn't had water in hours. <laughs> an obscene amount of time to start drinking water once we hit record. Could have done it at any point. It's never just a couple sips either. They really got a camel up when they go for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it's so funny. So when I show up, to, we're at Isaac's house today recording. And every time I show up, she gets really excited Isaac's dog Shasta she gets really pumped to see me she whines and she like makes funny noises and stuff but doesn't really like to be petted but then after like I don't know some of those feelings wane she just goes and eats all of her food just in case yeah I'm here for the food or you know just if there's a resource she's totally. just gotta well, get rid of it you don't want to like go on a walk or take a nap and then Taylor's <laughs> eat all your fucking dog food again you know I know it makes total sense and I don't blame her. It's just, it's just funny. Like clockwork, you know, just camel it all up. Totally. Uh, so what have you been up to dude? Uh, not a lot. Honestly, I've been, uh, taking a bit of a break from competitive flesh and blood, but really enjoying some, uh, some casual games here and there. Um, just kind of getting back to the, uh, the love of the game and out of the kind of the grind or, frustrations if you will um so that's been pretty nice how are you doing uh i'm doing great i uh, you know the semester at job number one that i have uh college professor that is winding down we're in our finals week now and as of yesterday i did not have a ton of panic emails um, but I went to bed around 10 p.m., so I would assume that I probably, once I was in bed, got flooded with emails from the hours <laughs> of 10 p.m. to midnight as they scrambled to finish their final and maybe got surprise sick or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so that's going on, and so I have some uh, free time coming up here right before... Uh, the summer session starts and I start teaching summer. Nice. Yeah. So nice. Oh, I, I did complete my fire cert and was kind of thinking about doing something with that, but I need something that pays. You know? <laughs> uh, so we're, that's about where, where we got there. <laughs> nice. It's been a real humble spring too. It'll be hailing and then sunny and warm the next hour. So, um, you know, like scheduling uh, outside things has been a little bit, you know, hit or miss. You're, you're taking a risk there. Yeah, I've, I've pulled up to your house 
full blaring sun, had my coat on, was like, this is a mistake, took it off instantly. And now as we're recording, uh, it's uh, a storm is about to happen outside. It's about to dump rain. So very, you know, just classic Pacific Northwest stuff. Yep. All the interesting things people are here for, right? <laughs> well, we'll have more in the listener mail section coming up too. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. what you're here for. <laughs> um, well, uh, first off, I want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. If this is your first one, you're in for a real treat. Um, if this is your hundredth one, joke's on you. We've only done 42 episodes. So unless you're listening to them twice... Um, yeah, in it's which impossible. Case, jokes back on us. Yeah, jokes back on us. One. Yeah, well, <laughs> then it's not even made it to a hundred, so re-jokes back on you, ha. But what I wanted to say is, uh, if you find at all our content enjoyable or meaningful to you, um, we would really love your support. And the best ways for you to do that is first. Uh, join our Patreon, $4 a month, gets you access to the Discord and uh, a few other perks. It's just a really great growing and thriving community of people. I'm like uh, surprised every day that we have a private Discord with folks who listen to our podcast and that give us money and hang out and talk with one another and have a great time like every day. So appreciate you all. Thank you so much. And then the other ways you can uh, support us is by reviewing and subscribing to us on our uh, many social platforms. Just subscribe to them all. Any of them that give reviews uh, like Spotify or iTunes or thumbs upping videos, leaving comments on YouTube, all of those things really help us out. That's really great. And then lastly, just tell a friend, you know, just be like, Yo, bro, you play Flesh and Blood. You got to listen to these dudes in middle of nowhere, California. They're so cool. <laughs> How do they know what's up? <laughs> but L- they do. Yeah, to listen to their podcast. So, um, yeah. So those are the ways you can support us. And it means a lot uh, at wherever you're at doing whatever you can. So thank totally. you in advance. If, if you're at the Pro Tour and see Yuki or Zane also, you could, uh, you know, maybe lose that match. You're <laughs> yeah. going to anyway. <laughs> so that would, uh, you know, help us out as well. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so before we get into the Pro Tour stuff, we do have a bit of news that supersedes the Pro Tour. Uh, how about you take us through that there, Isaac? Totally. Well, it actually is other Pro Tour news. <laughs> <laughs> they have announced pro the location and dates for the second pro tour. Um, it's going to be held in Lille, France, uh, the weekend of August 26th through the 28th. So now if you're trying to qualify in these very uh, soon upcoming events, um, you'll have an idea of or you'll know when that is happening. So be able to you know plan for that now. Also, I think LSS hates north american teachers because not only is pro tour one the weekend of finals for me but pro tour two is the start of the fall semester so i don't know what to do (laughs) 
It's okay. It's just a sign from them. They just don't want me to be a pro player, especially when they changed my ELO to where I was in the top 100 and then swiftly took it away hours later. The whirlwind. Of, and probably cackled the whole while. Yeah, totally. Knowing what they were doing to people. <laughs> Suck it, Taylor. Watch Twitter burn. <laughs> All right, we'll put it back to the way we found it. Um also, so speaking of Pro Tours, the Pro Tour is this weekend. So we're recording on a Tuesday before the Pro Tour. So it's very exciting. The Players' Banquet is on Thursday. Uh, Tyler Horsepool had like a hilarious tweet. He's like been pretty depressed about the meta and like what deck to play. And he tweeted the other day like, well, at least there's still the Players' Banquet on Thursday. <laughs> um, which sounds like quite a huge blast also rob and Tarek are flying first class did you is know this that twitter news yeah totally <laughs> twitter update. yeah dude well good for them yeah are they getting served silver platters of flesh and blood majestics it seemed like it rob was cracking packs as they're on the flight you know nice yeah well, good for them totally baller move um so what isaac are your pro tour predictions I predict that Starvo will win the tournament. I know, shocker. Yeah, hot take. I've just, a lot of what I've heard is that testing has not been going great. And everybody's like, well, shit, should we all just play Starvo? You know, um, I've heard that from like several testing groups and people, unfortunately. Um, Tarek Patel's on chain. A lot of people on chain. It's a very strong deck, but um, that's my pick. Starvo. Nice. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win? Or give me, not maybe your top one person, give me your top three people you think potentially could win it. That are like... I don't know. I don't even personally know anybody who's playing Starvo. Well... I'm going to back off of that one because I don't know. <laughs> one interesting thing, though, that uh, I have noticed is there are a lot of pros who would really like to win this thing who are not playing Starvo on principle. Nice. You know, which I thought was like pretty, you know, because, you know, like chain's the best deck in the Monarch meta, obviously. Right. And it's like kind of everybody plays chain. except Tyler obviously and won the whole thing, but um, it just seemed like this time was maybe a little bit different and people were like, or not, not everybody. Some people were like, I don't really want to play Starvo. So while they're trying their hardest, they're trying their hardest around not playing that deck, you know, which is like interesting at a top tier. You really want to win um, situation. Yeah. But. So your top three people who are going to win <laughs> the original question. Uh, Yuki Lee Bender. Boom. Locking it in. Zane, the insane chain pain Johnson. <laughs> Sweet. And, um, Let's go with Tommy Fresh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he's not playing in the pro. I think he's in the calling. Dang. Yeah. Well, those are my picks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Really prepared. No, I really, I'm sorry. I was not prepared for that question. I have no idea. You got some picks for us? Yeah. See, this is what happens when I get get you off the cuff. Um, yeah. So I'm also going to pick Yuki, uh, Canadian national champ, friend of the pod, uh, a Terminator on the uh, flesh and blood pitch. Then I'm also going to pick 
also friend of the pod, Hayden Dale, Australia national champ. Um, extremely handsome, taller than you think he is. Uh, and charming to boot. These are all attributes that win you pro tours. Totally. Dude, when a tall dude sits down across from you, it is kind of scary. And then when they're really nice, you're like, dang, dude, this guy's really nice. You know? And then they're like funnier than you are. You know? Totally. And then you forget to freaking side in your <laughs> shit and then you lose, you know? Yeah. So it's a strategy. Kind and of then, blushing. Yeah. Then my third pick uh, is... You know, I think I'm going to have to go with Matt Rogers on this one. You know, the, you know, original goat of flesh and blood, a safe pick, you know, uh, he'll be hanging out with whatever mid range deck he's figured out that he can play into the meta. So those are my picks. Nice. Totally. No Americans. I'm going to pick an American <laughs> since I can't pick Tommy Fresh. You already picked. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I'm going to go with Michael Fang. Oh, sweet. Because that dude is a very intelligent player and just like a real pleasure to play the game with, um, which I know has nothing to do with placement, <laughs> but, you know, um, just very, very talented uh, guy that, you know, works hard to be a master at his craft, as are many of these people going. Yeah, totally. Not take anything from anybody else, but. It's going to be. Uh... Very exciting, for sure. Super, super exciting. So everybody check out, uh, what's it on, Channel Fireball Twitch this weekend? Yeah, I believe so. Um, should be a ton of fun. It's going to be the, I don't know, most exciting flesh and blood coverage ever, hopefully, right? That's the totally. idea. I have to watch it afterwards because I have like real world plans, which is pretty stupid I don't, you know <laughs> i should have seen this coming and yeah, been like totally. i'm unavailable that weekend let's do it a different week totally but i made zero plans this too, weekend it's too late for me in preparation for this moment i'll be in our discord though and watching it on my phone while someone's talking to me <laughs> just kidding I'm oh not, yeah that's a that great guy. <laughs> those are great baby names uh-huh have you thought of bolton <laughs> that's a cool name Right? Lamaya, that's pretty. Starvo, you know? It's a real <laughs> hero name. <laughs> or villain, depending on how you feel. Um, yeah, totally. Have you ever considered naming your son Showstopper? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, announcements. So, we have been... Uh, you like that? Good pivot, huh? Excellent segue. <laughs> yeah, that's a... That's a smooth segue there. <laughs> uh, Bullet point. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing a contest here. So we have been gifted some of the sweet Herald of Rebirths and playmats from LSS for the Content Creator Appreciation Kit, which they need a pithier title for Kelly, that. You nailed it, though. Great job. Thanks. So this is what we're doing. Pay attention very closely. We are going to give away a full play set of the promo, so reds, yellows, and blues, three of each, and a play mat to anybody who wins our contest. The contest is as follows. You shall make a 15 to 30 second commercial spot. So we're thinking 
radio commercial, not infomercial. The winner will receive the goodies and we will air your commercial on the podcast. The commercial must be flesh and blood related, whether that's uh, inside jokes about players, uh, but keep it nice, uh, lore in the world of Wraith, cards, history, etc. It's got to be flesh and blood related. And then we, you have until May 25th, we'll have another podcast at the end of the month with friend of the show, aforementioned Tommy Fresh from Fresh and Buds. Um, so we'll have an interview with him and we will air the promo on that podcast. So you have until May 25th to get us that. The way you can send that is in an email, the attack action podcast at gmail.com with a 30 second uh, commercial. It should be small enough to fit in an email. You can send that as a voice memo on your phone. So take a voice memo and there are a number of different um, free recording software um, that you can have access to. Audacity is one of those. If you just do a Google search, you'll be able to to be able to figure it out. Um, be creative and uh, make our choices hard. Totally. Yep. So this is just an audio file. I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with. Um, like we were talking about this earlier, right? And you could, you know, you could be trying to promote your Airbnb in Volcor. Yep. You know, like during the uprising, it's fine. Still come and stay and, you know, or whatever. Or like, you know, Reinar's retired and now he's a scabskin leather salesman and he's, you know, hawking these <laughs> shoes or whatever. You oh, know, yeah. like uh, snow, snow cones from old him, you know, uh, whatever. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So whatever you got, give it to us. Uh, we can't wait to hear it, um, and it will be aired on the podcast. So, totally cool. Okay, so you have until May twenty fifth. Email us the Attack Action Podcast at gmail Also, in announcements, if you have not listened to our previous episode, we are doing a, uh, I guess what is it? A discount. For oh, yeah. there's uh, a sale, there's a sale, flesh and blood singles at fabfoundry.co. So, in the show notes, there's an affiliate link and it says affiliate link. Click on it, shop for your singles at Fab Foundry. Then, at checkout, you're going to use attack action 10. You'll get 10% off your order, and we get double the kickback from that. So, that's another great way to support us. So, that's for the whole month of May. Um, Get those things you haven't been getting. Uh, Isaac just did a purchase where he's he's uh, got a bunch of the illusionist cards, not a light illusionist, in preparation for the Uprising set. So that's a great um, idea on how to use that promo code and hook us up and hook yourself up and, and all of that. Totally. Free, fast shipping too. Or maybe over a certain dollar amount, but... Um. Yeah, it's a great store. Great store, great service, great person. If you have no idea what we're talking about, go listen to episode 41, our interview with Onnit. It's really great. Great person. Pillar of the community, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. Shout outs. Oh my goodness. Pull shout outs. Shout outs. Yeah. Okay. Big shout out to our boy, Colin, the people's champ. He just did a marathon of 
commentating to flesh and blood down in his at his local scene in SoCal. Um, we will link that whole event in the show notes. Um, I'll make a note of that right now. So just huge shout out to him. Um, yeah, they did a great job and um, the whole production was excellent. Yeah, it really yeah, the, was. The gameplay, the commentary, the coverage, the cameras, like everything just went like super smoothly. And it was pretty fun to watch, um, you know, some high level games in the, you know, the current meta. Yeah, I really liked it. Colin did a great job. He's such a charming dude. That's why he's our friend. And that's why he's on the reaction step. Totally. I told him I laughed out loud a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Totally great job. Okay. Before we get into the main topic, right? We we do have some listener mail. Totally. So this question is from our Discord. Um, Check it out. We got a whole channel for questions. This comes from Thor Mike. Uh, He says, question for Taylor. How's your grass doing? Are you a straight line guy or a diagonal line guy? Second question for Isaac. How's your water collection system doing? I saw a kick-ass one the other day. If you want to see the quote-unquote diagram. Sorry for the not fab-related LOL. Totally cool. We take non-fab-related questions here on the Attack Action Podcast. Thor Mike. Okay, my grass is struggling because it's been raining so much. It is getting quite long. And it's too wet to mow, so I haven't been mowing it. So it's getting a little out of hand. I am a oval mower. I have many obstacles in the lawn. Trees, piles of, uh, what do you call it when you prune a fruit tree? Prunings? Clippings? Burn piles. Burn piles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got stuff I got to mow around. Gardens. So you do like circles around the obstacles yeah totally or like figure eights or whatever so now i do it in like fourths or quarters i guess so i'll do one quarter and i just like basically go in like a uh rectangle i guess and then uh move on to the next one etc etc there's a whole technique and i've really chopped my time down from like over two hours to like under an hour and a half to do the whole thing nice efficient totally just getting those reps in yeah totally I'm a terminator <laughs> when it comes to lawn mowing pr again you come inside and now it's to your wife another pr today. another pr yeah totally <laughs> uh isaac water catchment tell me about it baby great it's been raining here and all of my tanks are full as of yesterday so we're set for the summer Assuming it rains next year, but just fucking good to go. I had a little like fire mishap that poked a couple holes in my pump line <laughs> with fire, but uh, that was kind of also like a sprinkler system at the time, so that was pretty nice. And then uh, repaired it, and we're just we're done. We're good. And it's a, uh, it's like, you know, in January when you're like down, like the spring's not running, you're it's not raining you know you're like using your water instead of storing it up you're like well it's just kind of like subconsciously stressful i was like well i guess if i just run out of water i'll like go live in tahoe starting in august or something you know i was like i don't know what but i'll figure it out but anyway now i don't have to worry about that (laughs) yeah it's a pretty great story uh 
which we don't have to tell on the pod. We've already spent 20 minutes of BS. Should we get into this uh, draft podcast? Yep, let's do it. Okay, sweet. Also, good water catchment update. Thank good you we met that. our BS quota. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in this episode is part one of draft. So this is going to be kind of the, the base level stuff you need to know about draft. So if you're like, I've drafted 400 times. I don't need to listen to this. Totally fine. Thanks for listening. Or maybe you're like, maybe there's something I will learn. Or I just love these guys. They could talk about whatever. Water <laughs> catchment and mowing. And I would listen to it. So uh, here we go. So overview of what draft is in flesh and blood and what you like need to expect. So first off, draft is way different than other parts of flesh and blood because it's kind of like i like to think of it as a dual game so you have to draft your cards at the table and that in itself is as a game with many crucial decisions and then you have to play multiple games after you made a bunch of crucial decisions so it's it's a game within the game um, yep go ahead i really enjoyed Draft is my favorite uh, format now. I've really changed my tune there. Wow. But just because it's... Favorite format. Totally. It's just because it's a different deck building puzzle every time. Yeah. You know, I used to really like CC because it's like the ultimate puzzle. But then like sometimes metas get a little stagnant or like, you know, are a bit solved or whatever. And it's probably in those times when I prefer draft because I'm like, every time you draft, everybody is just on even ground and it's a totally unique puzzle. You've never, you've never been here before. Yeah. And it makes it really interesting. Yeah. And it's a really dynamic uh, format because depending on who the other seven people are at the table really changes how the draft goes, you know, and what packs are opened uh or you know what's in those packs etc so it's uh, yeah it's just really dynamic and is never really the same yeah and it you bring up the people at the table do make it really interesting because sometimes you know if you're drafting with really skilled players it's almost like sometimes the drafting can be a bit easier (laughs) you know yeah but then the play can be quite a lot harder right where sometimes the inverse is true, right? Where like uh, you need to kind of play it a bit safer if you know you're sitting at the table with a bunch of unknowns or maybe newer players or whatever yeah. or people that are really biased, and uh, you know you maybe need to be a bit adaptable, flexible, play it kind of safe. But then sometimes your games can go a bit easier um, if yeah. you're just a more experienced player. So it it's just really wild the degrees of interaction that go on there. Totally. That's what it makes it one of the best formats. I as well uh, love draft and still to this day will draft any of the flesh and blood sets. Um, they're all, I think, really great. Arcane Rising uh, gets a bad rap in the community, but as we just found out, like drafting it again uh, really recently, it's a great format, actually. It just requires your brain to think differently and now that we've had i think having had tales of aria um 
as kind of a real change, right? So getting talents and then getting Tales of Aria, um, where you have three heroes and all these different um, things to kind of manage and think about. Drafting Arcane Rising seemed, uh, you know, reasonable and was actually really great. There's like a lot of really cool interactions between the cards. They're just, you know, slightly off from uh, other sets. Yeah. No, yeah, I really loved it. And I think some of the rap um, it gets is I think Arcane Rising sealed is not very good. But um, as far as limited, you know, sealed and draft are quite a bit different. You know, like a lot of people knock, uh, you know, Aria sealed because it's a bit unbalanced which is a totally valid point but draft itself is a completely different beast and like gets rid of any of that sealed uh you know imbalance or weirdness right so we're just talking about draft here yeah so uh drafting for those of you who are like well what is it i've never done it before so basically you have eight players sit around a table and you open one whole box of a standalone draftable set of flesh and blood each player gets three packs and then you all will open one of your three packs at the same time take out the token and then you'll have 15 cards you're going to pick one of those 15 cards and then pass the rest of them to typically players the player on your left and then everybody else does the same picks a card passes the rest to the player on their left then you repeat that so you pick a card then you pass those cards to the next play to the player on your left again etc until all cards are picked then you're going to open up your second pack do the same thing but you pass them the opposite direction so we pass left pack one so we're passing right in pack two pick all the cards until they're gone and then we repeat in pack three picking a card and passing again to our left so you will pass to one player twice, and that player will pass to you once, which is important to remember that when we get down to talking about signals and that sort of thing. So you send twice as many signals as you, uh, well, I guess you send the same amount, actually. But you send twice as many to one person as you do another person. Yep. Yeah. And a couple things. So you're picking cards in secret, right? And placing them face down in front of you. Yep. And will not get to look at them again until you're done picking that pack. Um, because there are 15 cards in a pack and eight players at the table, you will receive that pack that you started with back around to you, missing half its cards again. Yeah. And um, get to see what was left in it, what's been picked, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, totally. I think that's a, a great thing to remember is is knowing how many times you will see each pack, right? So you'll get the most cards out of pack one, right? How's that math work? I didn't even think about this before we started. The most cards out of pack one? Yeah, or do you get... No, you'll get the same amount out of every pack. Oh, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Or... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> there is some math there. Um, anyway, so that's the kind of basic overview of what draft is. Um, and then we're going to move into uh, like kind of etiquette for uh, drafting. We're going to talk about what it being open means, how to stay open, 
um, our thoughts on how you read what is open and then like receiving and sending signals. Yep. And just a couple last rules yeah, here. Totally. Um, uh, tokens are free. Yeah. So you're a hero's starting token weapon and the hero card, you don't have to draft those. But any equipment, you do need to draft as it's passed. Right. So at the end of three packs, you'll have 45 cards total to make your minimum 30 card deck. Yeah. Some of those cards you drafted might be equipment though. So then those would start out on the board. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And uh, equipment is super vital, but we'll get to that. So first, uh, so now we know what draft is. Let's talk about how to act during a draft. So um, first thing is just being super clear about where cards go that you've picked cards that you're passing to a player need to be really clear and cards you're receiving from a player are being really clear at our locals we try to uphold uh as much from what we've learned at nationals so we always do zone drafting i don't know if this is a thing for everywhere um but you only there's only three zones right so cards or i guess you could technically call it four so cards you've picked cards you've passed and cards you're receiving and then any cards in your hand so like cards in your hand stay there until the cards you've passed leave right so you can never the idea is to keep uh piles from stacking up at one player and then that they like get lost in which pack is supposed to come right next like, or whatever yeah you forget which order they came in which ones they picked or whatever so if you're passing to your left and there is a pile of cards to your left that you have set on the table passed to the person on your left they're not ready and haven't picked it up yet you made your next pick and are ready to pass again you just sit and wait and hold the, the yep. cards in your hand until they pick it up there's no pile there that zone's clear yep. and then you then pass the next pile and it just makes everything really uh clear Yep. Um, you can also, uh, depending on the, I guess the competition level, but if every time you are past cards, you count them, um, it makes it really easy to not, you know, like, cause sometimes in a casual event, you'll have somebody who like, doesn't know if they picked out of a pile or whatever. And then everything gets really muddled up. So you just right. start with 15 pass. Next one should have 14 and you just like count them, good. Yep. And then move along. And yeah. It, it just keeps everything really functional. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, that's a great that's a great tip um, for that for sure. So then let's talk about table talk. So um, this is kind of a gray area depending on who you're playing with. Like when it's um, <clears throat> just the battle bros hanging out, uh, having some beverages, you know, uh, we talk some trash and, you know, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Maybe our mind wanders, etc. cetera. Uh, we complain about the packs. We like send hints to each other like, woo, spicy pack. You know, there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff in there, you know. But at some places, uh, maybe those kind of things are frowned upon. Right. So um, try not to talk about specific cards and or calling other players out during the draft like, hey, you need to like go faster 
or, ooh, I know you picked that card that I passed you, you know, those sort of things. Um, Yeah, I was going to clarify. Like, when we're just playing casually, we'll say stuff like, oh, you know, there's there's a really lucky Kano player here yeah or the really powerful wizard cards yeah. going, or like I can't believe we're still seeing these but we still don't every reference ever reference like specific cards yeah or strategies it's just like any information you can give away and yeah. yeah I think that's a good point just when in doubt don't give any information away right because it can like ruin the experience it could ruin the game it could ruin somebody's strategy it's just like yeah you know don't if, don't comment on things mm-hmm. if you if you don't know you yeah know? And if you are getting excited or having a lot of fun, just say that like, wow, this is exciting. Or (laughs) boy, I'm having a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, maybe you sound sarcastic, but at least you're not going like, wow, great pack. It had so many good red cards, you know, that would be probably like not good. Or I hate to pass this Terra Sunder, you know, (laughs) but I I can't afford to hate draft it. So then two players down know that it, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, So kind of just trying to appear or uphold as close to as like a, you know, quote unquote professional level of play you can potentially at your store, or at least trying to like advocate for that makes it better for, like every player right so like you're counting your cards we're doing zone drafting we're keeping table talk to like appropriate levels and appropriate subject matter you know because not only does that make it easier for new players to enjoy that experience it makes it so your more veteran players can uh maybe get the most out of the draft that they need to yeah and like all these real like it may seem kind of rigid at a casual event to do like zones and stuff but it just like it actually makes a casual event much better yeah it's smooth it's just like very clear and you know newer players or players that aren't quite paying attention or whatever you know it just gets rid of any room for you know them to make a mistake or something that happened and ruin the whole thing so it just like makes it very fluid yeah totally um and that's really what you want because sometimes those drafts like when a new set comes out and we're on like you know, draft six of the night, beer, yeah, beer 12. Five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or- <laughs> beer five for me, beer 12 for you. Um, you know, we can just like sit there and start talking about some BS. And then we're like, oh, right. We got to like pick a card, you know, or whatever. Um, and that's fine for us because it's like a really close situation with really close friends. And, you know, we don't care at that point, but when you're at your like locals or a draft skirmish or something, you know, totally um, in that a, situation though, we even still do zones. Yeah, totally. It just like keeps yeah. it clean. Cause when homie over here is drinking 12 beers, he's got to put a molten guard in my prism deck. <laughs> oh yeah. That did happen the yeah, other day. Still, I still won though. <laughs> DQ'd though. Asterix. Asterix. Um, okay. No, I tried to, I played it against Mitch and I was like, Oh, I don't know what to do. It is like just disc. So then I only had a three card hit in that turn. <laughs> Man, that is kind of brutal. Um, <laughs> that's funny. All oh, the light cards look alike. They totally do. They totally do. And some of anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we digress. So basic guidelines for how to pick cards and how the flow from pack to back uh, goes. So mathematically right three packs 
There are 15 cards in each pack. You pick one card from all three packs until they're all gone. So you get 45 cards. So the kind of math breakdown or roundabouts for this are like, I think a lot of people are wondering like, well, how many, you know, people get nervous and like, oh, I got to really pick my hero cards or my element cards or my talent cards or, or whatever, you know, um, and are unsure of how much wiggle room there is between all of those packs. So this is how I think of it. So you get 45 cards. And so usually like, you know, and these are estimates, right? That kind of the last three cards of every pack might not be playable in your deck. So that leaves you like seven to nine cards. Maybe you can't play. So out of your 45, that's leaving you 36 to 38 cards you could still use. Meaning there's like roughly six to eight cards you can pick during the draft to be able to have a minimum of 30. Now, I did not include equipment into this uh, math equation, but you can suspect that, you know, or you can assume that, you know, one to three pieces of those are also your equipment cards. So you kind of get kind of, you know, your slots get kind of tight is yeah. my point. So, of course, reps helps and you just get more comfortable um, gauging this the more familiar with the set you are. But, oh, dang, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, so, well, my the kind of wrap-up thesis of this is the early picks in pack one are potentially not as impactful as you think they might be, right? So you open pack one, and you're like, wow, this is a really powerful card. It's very specific to a very specific hero. Should I pick this? Or should I pick something more generic to stay open? Well, it's not going to harm you at all to pick the really specific card because you know you have potentially six cards you can just kind of pick no matter what, right? So if it does work out that this very specific powerful card works, that's great. But you can pick it pack one and then also not be married to it later in pack two when you are like more set on your hero or talent totally and this happens all the time it's like not a wasted pick right because if you happen to be able to play it then it's great if you can't it's just one out of 45 picks you wasted you also don't have to face that card um you know played against you right yeah and uh, what I was going to say earlier was that... Gotcha. So in between every round, like in between every pack, you're allowed to pick up the pile of cards you've picked so far and look at them. So you can keep track of how many playables you have. Yeah. How yeah. many aggressive cards you have, how many resource cards you have, and keep a mental note of that. Right? So it, it makes it a little bit easier to gauge, you know, like... Um, you know, hate drafting something, how many, you know, can I pick this card if I like may not be able to play it or, you know, like all these things, um, you, you are keeping track of that throughout the draft, which makes it a bit easier. Yeah. That's a, a really great point. And that is something I practice always. Like I try to keep a mental note of like how I think my deck is going. Like 
ooh, I think in pack one I picked a lot of reds. But then I look through it and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I only have four red attacks. I definitely could pick more. And then I count like how many resource cards I think I have or could play or, or just maybe how many playables I have. And I just count them and I make a note of that number. And I might not remember it specifically halfway through pack two, but I have kind of a ballpark number if I was like, oh, well, I have eight playables out of pack one. Not a lot. I really got to make sure I get some playables in pack two. And maybe I forget like, oh, was it 10? Was it seven? It doesn't matter. I know that it's kind of a like a lowish number. Yeah, totally. You know? And there's, there's a lot of things you're looking for. And like you said, like I don't have a perfect memory for retaining all of this. Yeah. So when I look through my cards, I count them very specifically and try to remember it all, but like often forget some of them, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of things you're looking for, like non-attack actions for chain right. Right? or like blood debt. Or just in Monarch Draft in general, usually want some Sixers in case you right. face Prism. Um, yeah. So there's all these different ratios that you'll learn um, to appreciate and look for when you're constructing your deck. And then, you know, after a while, you're like, man, you know, I have like eight Sixers in case I face a Prism, but they're all red. And that's like pretty good to play, but doesn't make a great deck for what I'm trying to do. So right. now in this third pack, I can, you know... Maybe I'm like a little shy on blues, or maybe I just need some more, you know, blood deck cards or whatever it is. Um, so as you go through those packs, you'll, uh, you know, adjust. Yeah. And then you might also have a plethora of cards you can play, which is totally cool. Um, you don't have to play all of them. You can still register them and then you can have like, you know, some, some viable sideboard cards or that sort of thing that maybe like fit roles or maybe your deck doesn't work out as well and you can tweak it a little bit with the like extra playables you have um so it's like not the end of the world i really wish sometimes also this sidebar we had like when we do these uh kind of uh, lecture based podcasts that we had an audience so that I could then say to them like I do when I'm teaching. Does that make sense? Does anybody have any questions on that? Yeah. And then totally. they could that we could get some like feedback and then I could either go deeper or move on, depending on how many kids have their AirPods in and are not listening versus how many are listening. You know? Totally. Sorry, I just Shasta, was that a was that pretty clear cut? <laughs> Good dog. <laughs> Um, okay, so I hope that was clear. If you have any questions, please slide into our DMs or uh, leave a comment somewhere, somehow, and we'll, yeah. we will answer it. So let's talk about uh, what does open mean. So Isaac, tell me what does being open in draft mean? So being open means you still have the uh, ability or the choice to pick any of the viable heroes or any of the heroes in that set right so open can take a few for it right like maybe you've just picked six powerful generics that are functional in any deck right um you know in aria there are no generics um so each pick is only functional in like two or each of the um talent cards is only functions in two out of the three decks but you can still be open you know if you've picked so you picked Oakenold, and then say you have two lightning cards, uh, earth card, and an ice card, and they're all very powerful. You're still open, 
right? Right. No matter which character you choose, some of those cards will function and um, you're, you're good to go. You're doing great, right? Like early on, uh, you, you know, you want to pick powerful cards. And as you uh, outlined earlier, you have, you know, 15 extra cards to do this with. Keeping in mind, some will be equipment. The last cards you get past might not be playable. So, you know, maybe you you don't want to get that risky with it. But, right. you know, when you're when you're open, you're you're waiting for your signals. Right. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, totally. I think you did a great job. So just to kind of reiterate also open can mean kind of two things either you can pivot to any hero or one specific talent or hero is open right does that make sense to you yeah personally right so like you're getting the signals that oh bolton light warrior is super open i should start picking those um because i've done a good job remaining open in the draft by picking kind of generics and a few light cards and maybe a smattering of uh shadow cards but i'm still uh able to pivot to that hero that is open so just wanted to clarify that open not only means you but also um what is possible yeah that's a great point okay there's also talents can be open right you know yeah like ice is open for example or shadow is open yeah. And, and so open is basically just like the signal you get seeing that the majority of a certain card pool, whether that's hero or talent, is being picked less at the table. Doesn't mean you might. It could mean you're the only person that has the ability to pick that hero, but it might just mean that only one other person at the table is picking that hero. So in a draft, the the goal, right, to have the is to have the best deck and then beat everybody when you play them. I guess we should have said that at the top. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought maybe that's self-explanatory. But so to have the best advantage, you want to pick the hero or talent that is being picked by the least amount of players. Right. So, so, th- so this is ahead. how this plays out, right? Yeah. Um, with eight players at the table, you know, if, if you're playing a limited set with uh four characters then an even distribution would be two people at the table will be picking one character right and that'll be true for all of the characters yeah you know in aria there's three characters so it's three three and two right you kind of want to be one of the two picking a hero right um it gets again it gets a little more complicated with different talents and stuff like that but basically you know, say you're playing in a uh, in a monarch draft, right? And um, you know, six players pick light, and only two players are on shadow. And then they read it right: one's on Leviathan, one's on chain. Those players. This sounds familiar. Totally. <laughs> and those players reach the final, <laughs> right? So um, those players are going to have their pick of all the powerful cards that they can play in their deck. And what's more is they're going to get past a pile and they'll be able to pick the most powerful shadow card or the most powerful Leviathan card. And they're going to pass that pile on and it's going to come back around to them 
you know, and it'll still have powerful Levia cards in it because nobody at the table is picking that. In addition to this, you know, the four people that are playing Prism are diluting all the Prism cards. So all of their decks are going to be relatively weak because they've been, uh, you know, fighting for, you know, all the Prism cards, which are only a quarter of the cards. Whereas right. one player gets all the Levia cards and that's like a full quarter of the cards, right? Yep, totally. Super clear. Um, and then, so what it looks like in Tales of Aria and what it appears to look like in Uprising is that formula changes a little bit, like you said. So there will be uh, the majority of players, there will be three players per hero and one pair of players on one hero. And that's the seat you want to try to find, but is is uh, quite difficult at times because of just the nature of draft and that sort of thing. So then you're kind of maybe banking on your talent being more open than your hero cards potentially to try to push you over, right? Mm -hmm. um, which in Tales of Aria is a little different because we have uh, each hero can take two talents. So you're trying to be, you know, the lightning briar at the table, not just uh, one of the lightning briars, or you're trying to be the earth briar, not just one of the earth briars. Right. right. You're you're trying to be one out of the only two briars. Right. Or maybe three briars. Yeah. But if you've read it correctly, you want to be the only lightning briar. Yeah. Because maybe there's a Lexi pixing some lightning, you know, hopefully there's not another briar. So then you get the lion's share of the lightning cards and you're not, you know, there's only one or two other players picking briar cards. Yeah, totally. Um, and we will get kind of maybe more in depth on the three-player draft um, in preparation for Uprising in part two. Yep. But just to give you guys an idea of that. So um, kind of just moving down the docket. We're doing great. Yep. I'm, I'm really proud of us. I have one little point to interject here. I love it. That's pretty interesting or pretty pertinent maybe is even at larger draft events, you play the players in your pod. Yeah. Right. So if a player is in a different eight man pod and drafts a really strong deck, man, that table just let them get away with it and they have a crazy deck, you're not going to play them. You get assigned your pod based on your, you know, current uh, record in the tournament or whatever. And then you will draft with that pod and play within that pod so that you're the cards you picked and, you know, let pass by. And Prade would come back around. You know, a little segment work in there. And, uh, <laughs> and um, the signals you sent, you know, you, you know, face the repercussions of that within your table. There's no, like, greater randomness that you have to face ever. Right. Um, and th that kind of reminds me of a topic that's n not on here, but I think is really uh, important. There's a, uh, well, okay, let's do it this way great uh extra tidbit let's take a brief break because we're drinking coffee and uh nature calls and then we'll come back with uh sending signals knowing what cards you need to draft and then maybe some just like do's and don'ts for um drafting how's that sound uh sounds just great okay see you in a second 
And we're back. Weather update, it is now hailing. <laughs> yeah, no longer sunny, hailing. Um, that was a good break, though, to kind of collect our thoughts as well, I think. Totally. I uh, uh, hope you did the same during that. <laughs> I guess you didn't really have a break. <laughs> well, it's a place for them to be able to pause. Yeah. Pull you over, know. have a pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Put away your beer cans. Anyway, don't drink and drive. Uh, okay, so before we get into sending signals, receiving signals, um, so funny, our notes say sending signals, sending signals, <laughs> instead of sending and receiving. Uh, our editor didn't proofread this. Oh my God, Shasta. outline. <laughs> Let us, so here are some of my tips. So these are common mistakes I see people make when drafting. So first one is pack one, pick one. You open a dope class majestic. You're like, oh, this card is so good. I'm hard picking to uh, this class now because I have this quote unquote powerful card, right? That might not be the case, right? The player before you, you know, might be kind of cutting you off from uh that hero or you know those cards just kind of aren't in the box the card pool in general to make that card viable maybe that class majestic in draft is maybe not that powerful and you maybe are missing signals of what really is being open yeah that's a really good thing to keep in mind is um you know, these cards are designed for constructed and for limited, yeah. right? And limited takes a very high priority here in the draft or in the design space. But, you know, like some majestics are just like, like remembrance, right? <laughs> right. Very powerful card. But it, you know, and it can be applicable. Maybe it's in your sideboard in case your opponent's going to fatigue you. But it also shuffles your deck. So it ruins your pitch stack. It doesn't block or do anything else. Um, if your opponent's on an aggro strategy, it's not going to have any function. Yeah. Right. It's basically a cracked bobble. Yeah. Right? Totally. <laughs> it's a yellow pitch that doesn't block. Um, so some majestics are very powerful in general and some are like not very powerful in draft at all. And some are powerful in kind of a, like a niche situation. If you can get your deck to enable it in draft. Right. And it's important to know that just, because it says majestic does not mean it's good in draft. Yeah, totally. And it can happen uh, later in the draft. So, for example, in my last draft of Welcome to Wraith, I was um, the only ninja at the table, which was pretty wild. Um, so I got passed in, I can't remember if it was pack two or pack three, uh, McGinchy's, and I almost picked it. Like, ooh, so cool. Got allured by the uh, majestic symbol, the shininess of it. And then I sat there for one second longer and went, wait a second. I really need Lord of Wind for this to be cool. <laughs> so maybe I'll just pick this like extra copy of Fluster Fist or, or some other card I know my deck needs. You know, a zero cost blue or something like that over the McGinchies because its hit effect is not really relevant and it still costs one, I th I think. 
I can't yep. remember. I'm yeah. pretty sure it costs yes. one. So it doesn't really fill a lot of roles I need generally in the deck and then isn't very powerful as a card on its own. So I passed it and uh, picked something else that was more applicable, you yep. know. Uh, in that same draft, uh, you know, somebody did exactly what I said is maybe not the move to do, like opened a class majestic, stuck with that class the whole time. And, um, you know, maybe they could have like filled out their deck with some cooler stuff. Yeah. And some of these, you know, like in our last draft, uh, you know, you opened a red in the ledger. I did. Which yeah. is like a very functional class majestic and very powerful in draft that you can kind of play to its strength. Yeah. So um, it's just about knowing the cards. Totally. Um, which we'll probably get into in, in part two. Yeah. Um, another tip I see happening all the time is value drafting. So just drafting the cards you think are worth the most is a certain strategy, um, but is only really viable in like pre-releases. You know, um, that's the only time you're going to get the packs before you can just like get them to open them. And if you're going to draft based on like value, you know, you're, I'm not going to say like ruining the draft for everybody, but you know, it is not a winning strategy. That's for sure. And if you just want the most valuable cards, just open packs for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, and to me, it just kind of takes the fun out of it. Like, if you're not worried about picking for value at all, you can just relax and enjoy the game you're playing, which, um, you know, just makes it a much better experience. Totally. Now, there are some exceptions to this rule, which we were discussing during our break. Uh, shout out to Zane. Zane posed, posed you, what question will you will you hit us with that? Uh what if you open a what if you're in top eight of nationals and you open pretend this is in a draft in top eight and you open a cold foil corsham, which at the time was worth five hundred dollars? Is it like pack three? I don't, I don't know. Just this at a any long point. time ago. Let's say it's pack three. I just thought it was an interesting question. Pack because three, I, pick one. Uh, yeah, totally. If I'm happy with how my where my deck is, yes. If I'm like, if I desperately need more class reds or blues or something, I might pass it. I'm just against value drafting on principle. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, yeah, 95% of the time I pick it. Nice. Because 500 bucks is pretty good. Yeah. I am going to abstain from answering this because this is a personal answer for every person. Oh, okay. <laughs> so just whatever you feel like. Pack three, top eight of nationals, cold foil, corsham. Pick it if you got to pick it, you know? And don't be upset with whatever you did or didn't do. You know what I mean? Yep. So there's that. Um, I have a couple notes on... You, you reminded me to remind everyone of something um you can totally if you're at home with your buddies you can totally draft with four players oh yeah right? you just open half a box still three packs each hopefully one player will be on each character and that would be an even distribution um we do it all the time with four it works just great um you can draft with any number of players 
three packs each player and it works just fine it gets a little bit uh harder to read signals and maybe frustrating if you're super competitive but just casually it you know it's fine it just gets a bit weirder with distribution yeah we fully recommend four six or eight eight is the best number for sure but if you're just like and then four (laughs) but if you're just like you know ah dang like got some buddies we only got six people like you could still draft a box it'd be fine yeah you know it doesn't open the whole thing but uh Uh. While we're interjecting our our tidbits we remembered here, um, I would just like to point out picking equipment is excellent, right? Like, oh yeah. Um, before we move into signals and all that, in general, when you're you're still open, you're still trying to figure out what everybody else is picking, yada yada. Um, picking equipment is usually a very good choice. Um, some equipment's better than others, but the fact that it starts out on the board is really powerful. So, you know, you can be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pass this yellow lightning surge or whatever, you know, whatever, maybe even red, I don't know. Um, and, but you're going to pick Mark of lightning and yeah, I don't know. Those are both really good cards, <laughs> but in a lightning deck, Mark of lightning is probably worth two damage. Yeah. And it's just two damage out on the table, which is super powerful. Yeah. You know, your opponent is starting with, uh, you know, say 18 life, essentially, in this scenario. Right. Um, And all of these equipments, you know, have a function like this that start out and they make your deck way better. You know, you could lose the game before you see this other card you're going to get. And I've... You know, that said, I've picked a card over a piece of equipment plenty of times. It's situational, but just the ability may not seem that powerful, but the fact that it's always available yeah, starting out on the table does not dilute your deck at all, is always accessible, Um, you know, can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean, you would rather have ragamuffins than not have ragamuffins, Yeah, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, yeah, and it, it's kind of it's a bit hard to like weigh the power of equipment sometimes, right? Yeah. Because for like ragamuffins, not very good. But maybe you got an all red hand, you block out, you use it to fish for a blue to swing your hammer. Yeah. Or you you want to fuse with this card, but you don't want to arsenal it or whatever. Right. Right. You can uh, fish for a different card to arsenal. Yeah. Um, just the, the applications of, of equipment may surprise you. Totally. And win you games. My last uh, interjected tidbit, also name of my uh, steak restaurant, I don't know, (laughs) is uh, forcing a hero. So only a really viable strategy early in a draft meta, right? You potentially know you're coming into like some people's like, first or second draft and you've had five drafts and you like one particular hero and it's only like a viable strategy in this small window of time when nobody knows what they're doing right but for the most part like forcing a hero is just like not the best strategy especially as you get with higher level uh players and i totally get 
that you want to play the heroes you like from the sets you like. Like, I totally understand that, you know. But if you're trying to, like, get better at drafting, then you need to be able to practice reading signals, sending signals, understanding what's open, and trying to be that one of two heroes at the table. Yep. Um, and we, we saw a good example of this one, in one two, of the... One here. <laughs> in one of the callings, um, I think with Nom was his name, right? Um, who forced old him every time and forced a fatigue old him strategy that was not really that widely known or appreciated yet. And, you know, he won the tournament with it. Um, mm-hmm. Great plan. <laughs> However, um, you know, roll around, you know, a month or two later. Um, there was another calling where a player won on that same strategy. Um, and then nationals came around. Anyway, it became the most pac- popular draft strategy. Still very strong, you know, even if you force it, arguably. But now there's three or four players at the table forcing fatigue old him. Right. So the, um, you know, the other archetypes and other characters at the table suddenly become a lot stronger because those fatigue old hymns no longer have stacked decks, right? right? They're not stacked with turn timbers and everything under the sun. They, uh, you know, maybe you got one yellow turn timber mm-hmm. because everybody else also picked the fatigue cards. Right. So um, I think that's a good example of, you know, yeah, it can work to force a hero for sure. But, you know, once everybody's kind of privy to that, um doesn't work so well yeah totally and practicing and getting good at sending signals reading signals understanding what's open is a safer better strategy in the long term it just takes a little bit more practice but i mean that's the whole name of flesh and blood right is like takes a bit more practice to get good at these things pitch stacking understanding tempo you know totally deck building it all takes practice to, I I love reading my seat and adapting and building the correct deck. I am still not a very good fatigue player, and I find it pretty boring. So I'm like unlikely to draft Earth Fatigue Old Him still because right. I'm less skilled at it and it doesn't interest me. Even though I'm open to every other archetype in the set. Right. So yeah, it is really hard to become truly a master at every single you know archetype character everything that you could draft right um takes a lot of practice totally does so does reading signals crushing the segue yeah whoop whoop okay so this is what you got to think of every card you pick sends a signal to the person you pass and vice versa right every card you're being passed is and the omission of a card is a signal being received from the person who's passing to you. So you can do things like uh, making sure you continually pick one certain talent right away so that hopefully the person you're passing to sees no ice cards potentially. So then in pack two, they have maybe already lost the idea of ice is not open i should not pick any ice cards right now in these early picks and then pass you ice cards right um another element to this 
is that you have to look at the set as a whole and understand what cards are in it and what cards are not. So um, for example, in Welcome to Wraith or Arcane Rising, we have generics and then hero cards, right? So the only way to send signals is by taking hero cards and then leaving generics. And, you know, taking generics keeps you open, which then means that um, if everybody is picking generics, it means the hero cards are going to be the last ones to be picked. And then the one, the hero cards you see the least of being passed to you is a signal saying that those heroes are no, no longer open. So let's say there are five warrior cards or there's more warrior and guardian cards than there are uh, ninja or brute cards. So the signals you would be receiving is that you could pivot into warrior or guardian, but people passing up to you are picking ninja and brute. That makes sense to you, Isaac, everything yes. I've said? Okay, yeah. great. And you will learn to identify the more powerful cards and the lack thereof, right? So, you know, if you get past a red weave ice or, a, you know, a, I don't know, a soul reaping, right? Right, like these are really powerful cards. And if the people, you know, upstream were picking chain, right? they would not have passed soul reaping. Right. Right. So, whereas, you know, um, I don't know, what's a, a yellow bounding or something right. like a less powerful card gets passed to you. You think, well, maybe they had a better option and picked it. They could okay. still be in chain. They just, you know, um, they just had a better card to pick. So there are these cards that uh, will send earlier signals, right? When there's right. still a lot of cards in the pack and you'll see like, oh, red weave ice. Ice is open. This is the best ice card that could have been in there, right? Right. Unless by some craziness, there was a better card. But after a, a couple few packs of this pattern, you'll be able to determine that. Right. And there's some sneaky ones, right? Like like Fatigue Oldham got really popular there for a minute and like blue earth cards gone right yeah which yeah. like you're like this card sucks <laughs> but yeah um actually a very good card in the set because of a powerful archetype right. yeah yeah so that was going to be another point i had is the uh density of reds or blues right is also a signal to read depending on what the set is Right. Like you said, like you could have red earth cards, but no red or no blue earth cards. And to you, you might think, oh, earth is open. I'll pick earth. Right. But in reality, there is an old Heim next to you who's just been picking blue earth cards. Um, and so in that takes a bit of learning. Right. Um, and kind of studying of the set coming into it. Uh, but is just an example of something you could be reading and something to just think about as you're picking cards. Like, 
oh, you know, and that can work out for you too. Like maybe you need a few more red earth cards or something like that because that's the deck you're drafting. But those are just kind of like, you know, signals. But in a like kind of a more, um, uh, I don't know, in a different draft, right? You could theoretically believe that the omission of a red talent cards means somebody is in that talent right like Mm -hmm. there are no um you know red non-attack talent cards coming in the packs anymore so somebody's picking that so maybe that talent is being picked um my point being is that you you not only need to you need to look for a card that works in your deck but you need to just kind of give a brief summary of the cards that are still in the pack and you can rearrange them in your hand you know quickly uh to get kind of like a overview of what's in it and that's like kind of a you know a good thing to think about and a good thing to practice yep sweet yeah and so one thing you touched on earlier too is like the send the signals you're receiving are really important to read because in both packs one and three, you're going to be receiving cards. So as soon as you read what they don't want, you're going to be able to identify, you know, because if they're not in light, you know, or if they're not in ninja, the person passing to you. Yeah. Yeah. Then come pack three, you're also going to get past the most powerful of those cards, right? Be able to build the strongest deck. Um, you just, like you said, also have to remember that the signals you are sending are also really important because right. sometimes it it could be easy to be sitting there in pack one, right? And thinking like, okay, you know, uh, lightning's really open. Nobody at the whole table is picking lightning. This is crazy. Um, so, but somebody might be grabbing, grabbing ice, right? So I'm going to pa- I'm going to pick this red ice quake. Right, because I think it'll get gobbled up, but I don't want to pass this uh, lightning surge because I think it'll come back around, right? Right. Um, You know, and these situations are like nuanced and hard to read. But the other thing you're doing here is sending a signal to your left that lightning is open. Right. So that means come pack two, when they're passing back to you, they may have read that lightning's open and they're going to be taking lightning. Right. Right. When you read lightning was open, so I'm going to get these harder to get cards and I'm just going to like, cause I know I'm going to get lightning. Right. right? But then you kind of maybe screwed yourself a little bit instead of reading lightning's open. I'm going to make sure that I'm also telling them lightning's open. So the whole time I get lightning, maybe you, uh, you know, kind of screwed yourself in pack two a bit. Right. Um, by sending that signal. Um, and again, I, you know, you pass that red ice quake, it's going to be gone. <laughs> so maybe you need it. But um, there's there's just a lot of going on there. Yeah. There is a lot of nuance to this part of drafting. And this part takes the most practice. And so what happens if you do your darndest to read the signals, send the right signals, remain open, and you don't do it? You screw... The person next to you, you know, you don't really because this is part of the game. You kind of hamper yourself in the meantime. You know, it just kind of goes wrong. 
That's okay. It's totally okay. And it's part of learning how to draft and getting better at it. And it's not something you should be like, ah, well, I failed and I ruined this person's experience. It's like, no way. That's the game within the game is everybody is trying to figure out how they can have the most powerful deck and not everybody can be the winner at the table, right? You still then have the second part of draft, which is playing the games. And then you can still like with your mediocre deck do above average with it just by outplaying your opponents. You know, the day is not lost. If people are upset, then that's their issue, right? You should not be uh, feel like you failed if you maybe read it, misread the signals, you know? There are eight other people at the table trying to play draft. So totally. it's like it's like everybody, you know? And this happens all the time. All the time. Right, like maybe somebody um, to your right, you know, maybe they opened a a blood rush bellows or a luminaris or something and like tried to hard pivot. Yeah. And that's going to change everything yep. for everybody down the line. Right. Um, so, and that's nothing that you did, right? Yeah. It's just kind of the nature of the game. Um, or maybe they misread signals. So then they, you know, say they're playing old him and they thought, Oh, earth old him. So, but then it wasn't, so like, ah, oh God, I got to have a functional deck. So they pivoted to ice late, right. right? So now your ice is cut off. And I mean, this happens to everybody down the line and everybody's affecting everybody. Yeah. So it's just part of it. Yeah. Right. And, and that's part of the dynamic, exciting nature of draft. So you kind of have to like embrace that. Yep. Right. Uh, and somebody might pivot three times in the game who's passing to you, right? They might pivot, uh, you know send mixed signals in pack one and in pack three. And you're just like, I have no idea what's going on, you know? And this is where like, and you can be that player and both oh, things yeah. are okay. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no like moral code. You're not going to get, I mean, I might grumble to myself, but you're not going to get shamed for like forcing Bravo every single time. You're totally allowed to do that. This is the game. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, is it the best strategy? Mm, probably not. Better than forcing Dory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no um, way, dude. And limited Bravo is the boogeyman. Um, this is where like knowing, um, you know, knowing, being familiar with the set, having your reps... And being familiar with the characters and the different archetypes that are viable in draft comes in. And we'll probably cover quite a bit of this um, in our part two. But just to touch on it initially, right? Because we're talking about sending signals and what happens if it goes wrong. Um, you know, I've been in plenty of situations where I can't figure out what's happening to my right. <laughs> and then on my left, somebody's just forcing something and ignoring my signal. You know, so like everything's going wrong. So you're just like... All right, this this you know lightning briar deck I was building is like falling apart. You know all these, and then I, you know, uh, I just got to dial, and I'm like, okay, what I I still I still can get go again. Rosetta's really powerful, right? Like my deck's pretty bad, but I can just play into Rosetta. 
I have non-attack actions. I have attacks with go again. I can just like pivot my drafting and my deck strategy to this. And it's actually a viable strategy because the weapon's so good. Right. Right. So then, you know, I've like end of pack two, pack three. I've just like, it's all gone south. This is what I'm doing now. Right. Um, you know, and just understanding what, you know, what the different characters do. Like, um, like Prism plays a lot differently in draft than in CC, right? Because in draft, everybody's going to be after Sixers to pop your, pop your heralds. Yeah. Right. And you don't have go again with them. So with Prism, you know, kind of your, what I like to do a lot is I like uh, whatever the, the herald is that has dominate. Right. So maybe, maybe you uh, have like two, two of that in your deck. Right. And you're just trying to get one in soul. You make a shield and now you have a weapon, right? And then you just protect it, swing your weapon. You know, this is very different than the uh, Luminaris prism we see in Constructed. But um, anyway, that's just an example of how these characters um, behave in draft and the archetypes that are viable for them. Totally. It's not Herald of Erudition. It is... I have to know. Well, it doesn't matter. Oh, you're going to find out. I have to know. I just think that that's one of the best cards in draft because it's um, it's not a majestic, right? It's like viable to get. It enables your weapon, and then you have the best weapon in the set. <laughs> so. Uh, gosh, what Herald is this? Why can't I think of it? It's not that one. Dang it. Jeez. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Okay. Well, sorry, everybody who's yelling at us to know what Herald it is. Obviously, we don't play Prism. Uh, okay, so um, let's see. What else do we know? I Did we cover this uh, section here I have highlighted for you? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was talking about. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. Um, I guess your adaptability... Um, becomes easier to adapt once you understand you know your archetypes right right and um, and yeah and we will break that down in part two yeah. on how to evaluate a set because it's gonna be really important uh you know uprising is coming this is the perfect time to try to evaluate all of the cards in there and try to figure out what maybe the archetypes yeah. can can already be and we're, we'll talk about how some cards are very functional I just want to mention this now to get people thinking about it as they draft yeah. before that. Um, some cards are very powerful in general, like Red Lightning Surge. Mm -hmm. Great in Lexi, great in Briar, just great, right? Um, other cards like in Twine Lightning Red are only really great in a Lightning deck, you know? Um, or uh, Weave Ice Red, very good in Lexi, whether you're Lightning or Ice. Because you just like pumps for your right. dominated arrows. Um, yeah. And it goes on and on. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah, um, that's, that's great. Just understanding, you know, the, the card's viability in the context of what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Um, so we have a few extra questions um, from Twitter that uh, are listener questions <clears throat> that pertain to this topic. And so rather than answer them at the beginning of the pod, we're going to answer them at the end of the pod now that you the listener have a bit more context um for for what these questions are yep and we got um 
we got a few questions, some of which were answered in the pod, and some of which we're going to save to our uh, second chapter in totally. this discussion. Yeah. But we have a couple questions here um, to answer. First one is from Andre Biaggi. Curious about when to first pick a specific hero card. For example, how bomby it should be over staying open. I find myself picking a great specific card and then stay a bit less open after. I'm not sure if it's correct. Well, Andre, thank you for your question. So we kind of talked on this earlier that your first couple of picks in pack one can be your some of the most powerful cards you see and you can or cannot be tied to them. It You have wiggle room within the, the draft, right? Of how many cards you can pick and then not use. So if it's pack one and you're like, ooh, Red Warrior's Valor, yeah, you know, and that's like pick one, pack one, that's totally fine. You don't have to play Dorinthia. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, late pack two, you're unsure what hero you should have. Uh, you're in a tough spot there. And if you do get past a Red Warrior's Valor for some reason later in pack two, then maybe that means it's going to be open and, and then you can pick that. Does that answer that question or did I miss the heart of that question? I feel like I did. Um, I think that answers it all. I think also this comes back around to in between packs, you can uh, look at your cards and see where you're at. Yeah. Um, which really helps prioritizing your picks as you move through the draft. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I was in a tournament and uh, picked Channel Mount Heroic, pack one, pick one. Right. Great card. Uh, not going to like win me every game automatically though. Right. I ended up pivoting to Lexi when I, once I had some signals and, uh, it was just fine. It's just one out of 45 cards. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously what you don't want to be doing is picking four of each class card. (laughs) And I mean, at that point, right. You're not picking like four of the majestics of each class card. You're kind of getting into the, like, you know, okay, maybe I shouldn't pick this red snow under, right? Great card, three for seven. Excellent for, you know, buying two cards, mm-hmm. just two to two cards to swing for seven. Great card, right? But I've already picked six Briar cards, you know, or right. whatever. And yeah. uh, snow under does not make me hard <laughs> pivot here. Right. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah, grab that powerful majestic first off. Who cares? Great. You don't yeah. want to play against it. But, um, you know, you got you to gotta practice some self-discipline here. Right. I guess. Yeah. And then if you are looking to pivot to a hero, well, you don't have to pivot to a hero based upon how, quote unquote, bomby the card is. Uh, you want to pivot to a hero that is open. So then you have to read the signals. Oh, yeah. That's a great example. So in our recent Arcane Rising draft, oh, yeah. um, I opened... Pack so two. in in my um, in my second game, I like read Kano, drafted it perfectly, had a powerful deck. It was great. Yeah, everything went great. Yeah. In my first draft, I God, I can't even remember who I was drafting, but I was not on dash. I got past a few dash cards and had picked a number of generics. Second pack, I opened 
pack two, pick one, an induction chamber. I don't have a lot of reps on Dash. I had never opened an induction chamber in a draft, but I had heard that this card is busted in yeah. draft, right? You get to just double pistol your opponents to death and like fatigue them out or whatever. And I was pretty unsure about this plan, but kind of wanted to see if I could do it. So I hard pivoted to Dash. And it turned out I had way too many block for twos, non-functional generics, non-functional or synergistic dash cards in my deck pivoting too late. Yeah. Right? And you and lost it, to the greatest ranger player, <laughs> me. <laughs> and I just pitch stacked and murdered you. Totally. And my yeah. deck was just like bad, you know, and probably my play also not being very practiced on it. But that kind of shows the like, you know, if I was in dash and then pivoted and then saw the induction chamber, you know, maybe I could make it. Yeah. But um, it was just like, it was too late. My deck was too bad at that point. I should have hate drafted it and then kept doing what I was doing. Right. Um, which would have been the smarter decision. Yeah. Um, I was kind of, it's just like, I heard all the tale. It was like, how busted is this? You know, and it turned out there are limits. <laughs> <laughs> I think that deck was still pretty good. It just was like not good enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would have been, my deck that I had been drafting would have been better. Yeah, totally. Um, despite having that excellent item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Great question. Totally. Really, really good question. Yep. Um, so our second question that we're going to tackle today is from Papa Mike on Twitter. <laughs> At what point in the draft do you start prioritizing your resource base? Yeah, that is a really great question and really hard to answer because there is a lot of context that goes with it. So potentially you have a lot of resource cards already in the beginning because you've kind of stayed open. And uh, I think so Lexi in Tales of Aria is a great example of this so um blue arrows are the worst cards in the set but you freaking need them so if you kind of sniff out that lexi's open and you're picking lexi kind of early or you know you know in a relative time frame i don't know what i'm trying to say there uh you don't really need to worry about picking blue arrows or resource cards basically because they're the worst and everybody's going to pass them to you you're just going to get blue arrows to fill up the holes in your resource curve yep lexi's the best because your resource problems are just like auto solved like briars are getting past blue arrows and like ugh, God, another <laughs> dead card at the end yeah. you know but lexi's are just getting past blue arrows you never have to worry yeah, totally. The other thing is sometimes the resource card is better than the like more powerful card based upon what you've picked previously, right? So you do have to keep your resource curve in mind. So like drafting Guardian in any set is something you have to think about because a lot of attacks uh, cost three or more. So if you have picked you know, uh, a red attacks for a couple of picks and then a pack comes around with a like, you know, less than ideal 
distribution of like powerful cards. You're like, well, I could maybe make this work or I don't know. Like, do I really need another like crush confidence yellow or something like that? You might think about just picking a blue to just like, you know, help yourself out later. So it really depends on the context rather than like, oh yeah, into pack two every time resource cards, you know? Yeah. If it was, the draft would be way easier and we wouldn't have to do part two. <laughs> totally. So yeah, this just, I mean, it all circles back to just like familiarity with the set or knowing the characters. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, if Guardian's super, if Old Him's super open after a while, like I don't need any more red snow unders, right? Or yellow, even worse. I need blues. I need to yeah. fill my blue quota. And this is where picking up your cards and noticing your ratios um, in between, between packs really um, is really important. Um, and, you know, uh, characters like Kano, like I said, I just drafted Kano and I almost didn't have enough blues because I hate drafted Arcane Barrier and I um, kept grabbing like red Voltic Bolts and stuff. <laughs> And um, I knew I needed blues, and I did get barely enough. But um, you know, it's something to watch out for, right? Like you need you need blues in Kano. Um, some characters behave a little differently, right? Like uh, Katsu to really function needs free blues. Right. So some of these blue generics you might get past, or you know, might pick because oh, it's a resource card and it kind of functions. Actually, doesn't really function in Katsu like you want it to. Now it's a blue that doesn't really pitch so well. You yeah. just need to play it. So yeah. that sucks. Yes. Some blues can be bombs themselves. Like in Katsu, for example, blue wounding blow. Excellent. It's it's free and it blocks for three and it's a blue. Yep. It's like everything you need in a blue. So like you, you might pick that, you know, over, I don't know, something yeah. else. And some characters, you know, like uh, Briar doesn't usually need a lot of blues, you know, unless you're in an earth heavier deck, maybe. Yeah. But um, it's just, you know, you might pick up your cards, look through them and be like, well, I need X amount of earth cards. I need X amount of like power cards, you know, reds or attacks. But here, you know, I count X so many blues and so many. Oh, I'm fine. You know, right. Just don't even have to worry about that right totally great question yeah really good and it's it's just so important because as you move through pack three being aware that like oh i'm old him and i actually need more blues um because otherwise you'll just have a deck with you know 23 red attacks yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah. die <laughs> yeah what you don't so like there's no specific pack in which to pick specific cards right you don't want pack three to be the uh well i really need this type of card now you need to have been thinking about that as your archetype has been developed based on the signals you're reading to see what is open as you pick cards right uh, i have definitely been in the scenario where it's like well this deck is really good if i get the things i need out of pack three you know whether yeah. that's non-attack actions sixers blue cards um red cards you know in a class um very rarely does that work out yeah and you know all 
That's a good point because I will, you know, as you start moving through a pack and like the good cards that kind of get taken out, now you're kind of like, you might be in this spot where like, well, I could grab this like yellow attack that like kind of functions or I might need, or I can like grab this good resource card that blocks for three and functions. And then it like opens me up to being able to like, just comfortably pick those reds that are going to come pack three. Um, so there is like a little bit of, I don't know, like hidden value there of like, okay, well, these cards are like not really helping me out that much. I'm going to take these two like really good blues or whatever it is. Right. And then, um, then in pack three, it's like, I don't need to pick six blues now. I can pick the good cards and I only right. need to pick, you know, three or four blues. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also an excellent point. Man, we're so good. <laughs> All right. I just want to draft now. Yeah, totally. I'm like, okay, one when month, is the draft? month and a half to go <laughs> to a new set to figure all of this out in. Shall we move on to our signature segments? Let's do it. Okay. So here on the Attack Action Podcast, we love draft so much that every single episode, we have a specific segment based on draft. This time, it's a little different. We're coming into Pick, Pass, Prey. This is a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three heroes, and you're going to pick your favorite. This is basically Mary Fuck Kill, <laughs> but it's a draft scenario. So you're going to pick your favorite, pass one along, and then pray one comes back around. So this is in the context of a draft still, right? <laughs> I think so. I okay. think it's more I'm like... i it in a draft scenario. I think of it as... What, in a draft scenario, or just maybe in general, which hero do you want to play the most, play the most second, and then don't care about it at all? That makes sense? Yep. Okay. okay. So here's my pick. Wait, we got to give them the heroes. Oh, right. <laughs> so we're using... I was just reading it. <laughs> we're giving you the heroes from Uprising. So our first hero is... Icelander. Ooh, I should probably actually uh, pull these up, huh? Uh, is a wiz ice wizard. Ice wizard, or no, elemental wizard oh, hero. Yeah. Has essence of ice, intellect four, and 36 health. Correct. And they have a, uh, I'm doing this off memory. Uh, their text reads, you may play blue cards from your arsenal on your opponent's turn as though they were instants. They have to be non-attack actions. Yep. If you play a blue striped card on your opponent's card, or a blue striped ice card, ice card on your opponent's turn, give them a frostbite. Totally. We're really flubbing this. <laughs> but then we don't know what the other ones are. So then that's hero one. Hero two is Fey, which is potentially a draconic ninja. Hero three is Dromai, which potentially is a draconic illusionist. <laughs> so Isaac, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? Okay, because this is a new set <laughs> and we're drafting, I'm going to pick Faye. Okay, cool. And I'm going to pray Dromai comes back around because... Faye, I'm just going to come at you with an aggressive, powerful strategy while you're like fiddle fucking around with like Eastlander <laughs> trying to 
work out your tempo and you know rhythm and wind condition and i'm just gonna like catch you up sweet yeah my real pick though <laughs> out of the characters is dromai surprise uprising pick because from the shadows i don't know she's like a you know dangerous powerful dragon lady which is like probably gonna get me killed <laughs> and i've like you know it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's cool is picking Eastlander first. That's my pick. Because uh, I want to stop you dead in your tracks, frozen like an ice cube for all time, where you slowly die as you watch me walk away and win. Because you're frozen <laughs> in an ice cube. Um, Brain shutting down yeah, as you just watch yeah, totally. Eastlander stroll off into the blizzard. But then my one I hope comes back around is uh, Faye. Uh, I think that this hero is going to have like some sort of graveyard recursion or some sort of graveyard uh, play with their cards or something. I don't know. I also just really like phoenixes. I think that is like a really cool mythical creature. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, Dromai is... You know, mother of dragon stuff, overplayed. You know, seen it in pop culture too much recently. Dragon lady, you know, I'm over it. Fair enough. I also actually really like Eastlander. I I've do, just yeah. played a lot of ice in the past long time. So mm -hmm. maybe I've had my fill for the moment. You know, for me, the only reason I'm moving on to the dragon, you know. Yeah. For me, it's I have had ice envy and wizard envy for a while mm -hmm. and haven't been playing either really even though i've been wanting to i just haven't like had the time between like competitive testing and stuff to kind of like try to hone my skills with the ice or more magical heroes and uh in this new set eastlander is like you know it's my time to get to do both two nice. birds one stone awesome yeah <laughs> which brings us to our next segment game from the closet here at the Attack Action Podcast, we love to play many games, you know, uh, board games, card games, not just flesh and blood. We love sports, uh, drinking beer and playing disc golf, whatever it is. Any game under the sun, you name it, we love it. Uh, but some games are especially close to our hearts, and uh, we like to share them with you sometimes and hope that you will enjoy one too. Them too. Switched. Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> this pod's uh, game from the closet is Taylor's pick. Uh, thank you, Isaac. So uh, I recently have upgraded my personal computing hardware. So now I am a part of the future and uh, can play modern video games on a PC. So that is how I have been spending my free time which is this is kind of a long game from the closet because i've recently Backstory, found it's part of every game <laughs> yeah totally i have found <laughs> that i would really like to play video games again and i'm doing so but i have to do so in a manner that is very structured so it's like i have two hours right now and i'm going to do that playing video games and it actually has made myself way more productive because before 
I sometimes get in the habit of like, all right, two hours of free time. Here we go. And I kind of just like, like you like to say, fiddle fuck around. <laughs> and I don't really feel like I've accomplished free time stuff. You know, you're just like on the couch looking on the internet. And then you're like, I don't know, make a sandwich. And then you like try to watch a new show, but they all suck. So you don't feel like you get anything accomplished. And you're like, well, I really haven't had any free time. I'm going to continue to try to free time. And then two hours turns into three hours. And then maybe it's three and a half. And you're like, crap, now I have less time to do the stuff I actually need to do. Yeah, you're like, I should be productive. And I should enjoy my free time at some point. So let's do those things. Yeah. (laughs) So video games have been allowing me to have structured free time that accomplishes something, right? Because I'm like getting farther in the story or whatever. So I just recently finished Pillars of Eternity, which is from 2015. Not really that modern, but um, is a uh, Pillars of Eternity is kind of a not a love story, but a homage to 90s isometric uh role playing games on PC. Yeah, they call that a love letter, don't they? Oh, love letter. That's Is that what, what I they said. say. I th- Maybe I thought that's I why said you thought of that. What did I say? Love story. Love story. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it is. So it it's it, it's very much based off of like Dungeons and Dragons, so you like make your own character from scratch and you give them all these different stat bonuses and pick talents and a class and a race and then you get these party members that have their own story and things you, you know, their own um, ambitions and such. And they level up. And so, you know, it's this whole role-playing experience where you're a part of this story. Now, uh, was it a great game? No, not really. <laughs> it, it, like, falls short in many places, specifically storytelling. But it hit me right in the nostalgia where I was like really happy to be a part of a big, bigger story, be leveling up my cool druid character that wild shaped into a freaking werewolf and then also called down lightning from the freaking sky and hurled boulders at trolls and shit. It was just a ton of fun. And if you are a fan of Boulder's Gate or planescape torment or maybe even the dragon age games like this party-based story-driven deep lore lots of reading um rpg is is really good for me as a person who has been outside of like modern video gaming for quite a while getting to play something where i have a pause button all of the time to use and there's kind of like a lot of reading um, for me to get invested into the story rather than like a lot of playing was kind of like really nice for um, these previous like rainy days we have had and to like get back into this um, hobby of mine that I have missed. So really brought me back to days of high school where you just like wake up at noon, eat three bowls of cereal, play video games for four hours eat another two bowls of cereal, (laughs) go outside for some reason because you think it's healthy, go back inside and play video games until the wee hours. Rinse and repeat summer vacation. Like our buddy, uh, Michael, 
and I would, we, we'd go like play one-on-one basketball in my yard for a few hours or, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. you like have to, yeah. And then go back to like taking turns playing, yeah, you know, whatever it was at the time. Oh, totally. Diablo or Warcraft. Or, yeah. Know. With the same friend, I've stayed up until dawn playing Diablo two <laughs> together, you know? Hey, I did not know you were doing this, and I just Googled it, and uh, PC Gamer gave it a 92. <laughs> so apparently it hit them right in the nostalgia as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's funny. I wondered what you were typing over there. Oh, yeah. I was checking out this game you're recommending. Yeah, totally. It's really fun. It's really cool. Um, apparently the like the expansion, which I'm about to uh, embark on, has a much better cohesive story that makes it a little bit more um enjoyable but if you like you would like it because there's a a shit ton of micromanaging and nitty-gritty and strategy shopping yeah there's a shit ton of shopping (laughs) and like kind of obtuse ways to know if things are better and trial and error and and stuff and oh that's lots of tactics you know i did not really love diablo 2 because the amount of like running and clicking there's a lot of clicking. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe this was not for me. But if there's a lot of like deck building or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Know, I'm I mean, into it. yeah, there there is a lot. And you can respec any of your characters at any time. So if you, you can, cool. it allows you to into try that. out a lot of things and then uh, be like, nah, that's not working. Switch it up. And then, you know, the placement where your characters are on the battlefield matters and area of effect spells and stuff. There's a lot of tactics involved. Cool. Once you get into combat, it's much more like kind of a miniatures war game. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of your miniatures can do their own thing, but they're also stupid. So you have to micromanage them kind of, you know, so yeah. Um, I know that doesn't sound fun, but it is fun. No, that sounds fun. Yeah, totally. I love dry strategy. You love minutia. <laughs> More minutia, please. Okay, so that's my game from the closet. Long-winded, but here we are. Love it. Totally. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here, my good sir? Nope. We have a bunch more on the docket for next time to really dive into the nitty-gritty and the minutia <laughs> of draft. Yeah. Good. That reminds me. So our next episode of the Reaction Step will be coming after the Pro Tour about the Pro Tour. Then, oh, yeah. So if you normally just listen to our podcast and you're like, they didn't even talk about the Pro Tour at all. We're going to, in depth, give you all of our takes and reactions and, you know, like talk about only the Pro Tour for over an hour with Colin on the reaction step. Exactly. So look forward to that on YouTube exclusively. Then at the end of this month, this month is May, we're having Tommy Fresh on to chit chat about the pro tour and his experience uh hanging out at the calling and being in jersey being from jersey being a cool bud etc so you have that to look forward to then at the beginning of june the final preparations have begun for uprising that's where you're going to get draft part two so you have time to practice think about some more things and then come back and join us for part two in june yep and obliterate your armories. Hell yeah. All right. With that, 
let's get out of here. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Battlebro Taylor and at Battlebro Isaac. Shoot us an email, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.